Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Trey Hoffman, VP of Customer Experience at Fleetio. In this episode, Trey shares insights into their monthly churn insights meeting and the key KPIs shared during this meeting. We then discussed why SMB-focused customer success reps are called SMB analysts and how Fleetio's customer success service differs between their customer segments. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Trey, welcome to the show. Hey, it's exciting to be here. It's great to have you. For the listeners, Trey is the VP of Customer Experience at Fleetio, the number one fleet management software trusted by thousands of fleets around the world. Prior to Fleetio, Trey started his career as an engineer at Computer Technology Solutions and then served as VP of Technology at Enter. He then followed that as COO at Ticket Biscuit and Director of Operations at Etix before joining Fleetio. So my first question for you, Trey, is how have you managed your career transitions and what motivated them? I mean, going from engineering to ops and now to customer experience. Yeah, so my first four years, I was a consultant, right? And one of the things you learn quickly as a consultant is engineers don't always uh, you know, relate to the business problem and the customer problem. And so what I kind of quickly learned was I had the ability to talk. Um, to the to the customer and and explain some of the some of the more nuanced technical details, uh, and I enjoyed that side of the, the the sort of the house. And so I quickly um, went from developer lead developer, but then started to become what we called an engagement manager. And that was where I really sort of started to thrive and enjoy, you know, talking to customers and learning their problems and figuring out how we could solve them. And then the engagement manager was actually responsible for delivering the deals as well. So we would go in and make sure that we were executing the sort of consulting process all the way sort of start to finish. Um, and I just enjoyed that. So people became like part of part of my gig, I guess. Uh, from there, we got the opportunity at Enta to, to, to join a team and, and build sort of a technology stack. And again, that's for my first sort of actually running a group of people who just interface with people as well. Uh, and then of course, from moving into Ticket Biscuit and, and, and now here at Fleetio, I, I run large teams of people um, that just interact with folks. And so it's, it's really quite nice. Nice. So the engagement manager, that was like, I think from what I hear other companies, like more like a solutions architect type um, role, working with clients, potentially working with sales team as well and helping them get set up or? 
Yeah. So it was actually a, um, like a project as a manager of project managers, if you will. So, and then part of what we would do is what we kind of referred to as walking the halls. So you would be assigned a certain number of accounts and you would literally go walk the halls and meet um, people within those accounts. I always uh, kind of referred going to the smoking tree. So you'd go to the smoking tree, you hear all the problems going on in that company. And then you'd go run to the manager. I just heard at the smoking tree that you need some, you know, and you would, you would help them sort of then understanding their problems, um, coming up with solutions and then delivering on those solutions. So it's really, you could think of that role as like a, a manager of project managers um, with, to your point on the sales side of actually participating in and helping identify and uh, close deals. Close deals. Did you say to the smoking tree? Right. Yeah. So every yeah. company has a tree where uh, this maybe shows my age, maybe not as much yeah. anymore, where yeah. everybody goes outside and smokes. Right. And that's what's, oh, yeah. uh, one, of, one of the key things is when you go out to smoke is you're relieving stress and yeah. uh, you're talking about all the problems. So it's nice. a good place to be if you're a consultant. I've never heard that one before. I thought maybe it's some analogy that I'm not aware of, but it's literally a tree outside <laughs> for, for going for a smoke. Okay, um, cool. So we were talking as well uh, just before we started recording that you had run back from lunch. You had a meeting now uh, with the company, with the CEO uh, re- related to churn, literally. So it is really, really timely and relevant. Um, and this is a monthly meeting, the churn metrics meeting, I think you mentioned exactly, or maybe give us a little bit of an overview, like, what this meeting is about uh, and how it's structured. So when I joined up you know, a little over three and a half years ago, we were doing what a lot of companies do, which is you know starting to address some of the churn um, metrics and, and gross MRR and local churn. And probably about a year in or so, we realized that we wanted to formalize this conversation and we wanted to get executive buy-in. So the words we use is churn insights. And so each month we prepare the churn insights and we dive into every churn that happened in the last 30 days. And so the the agenda for the meeting is to bring all the executives, some of the product leaders in. And we started, I guess it has evolved over time, right? So we started with a fairly light agenda and we would... um, figure out how to automate some of these numbers. So what was our churn month over month the last four years? All these kind of things just to sort of do some analysis. And then we started looking at avoidable churn versus unavoidable churn. And I know it's sort of problematic to say like, oh, is there such thing as unavoidable churn? But you do want to like segment out all the people who just went out of business. And so then if we're looking at avoidable churn and try to jump into the cancellation codes, what we learned is as we started meeting every single month is that there would be areas where we couldn't articulate now, questions would come up like, why are we not tracking this cancellation code? Why are we not doing this? So we would go dive in and we would try to figure out uh, with a SaaS business like we are, you have a lot of dunning. And so then we started to say, let's come up with a process for demystifying certain cancellation codes. Can we look into the data if we can't get any kind of customer feedback? And we actually even slowed down some of the churn conversations during the pandemic. So pre-pandemic, you could cancel right in the software, um, which made it even harder to capture you know, sentiment. Um, but with the pandemic, we wanted to have an opportunity to uh, play on some of our sort of retention playbooks more more directly. And so we actually nowadays get uh, more conversations and more understanding. So it's about, you know, each month getting together, talking about statistics, and then automating those into our BI tool and putting all that data so that we can kind of quickly get to it and then attacking the next thing. So that at this point, you know, we look at cancellation reasons. We look at all kinds of different customer analysis. We look at feature categories, like did they use this feature category? And then we have four words we use for it. Was it adopted, abandoned, investigated, or unused? 
And we start to look at, you know, those metrics as to what was the customer able to accomplish as we think about adoption of these things. We look at add-ons. We look at all the feedback that all the churn customers have given us, whether it's NPS challenges, CSAT, the number of support tickets. We segment highly. We look at all the different industries. Um, and, you know, we really want to focus on our most important industries. So we kind of like some industries were okay with that. Let's, let's okay. Like we're never okay with churn, but like we're, we're more okay. But we really want to focus on what our tier one industries are. And then more so than anything, we've started really focusing on stories lately. So picking out particular churns and discussing why we won, why we lost, and the evolution of their journey. And so we actually have our mid-market um, CSM key lead, our uh, SMB sort of analyst lead, and our enterprise CSM lead show up and they tell those stories because stories can sometimes just really unlock things and be way more memorable. Uh, and we try to drive insights. Uh, so even uh, we came away with like even this morning, like two more action items of like, let's go start pick, figuring out like these churns back to the opportunities and the salesperson. And let's determine like, was there a clawback period? Was there not? So there's like every time we just evolve a little bit. So it's very formal with all the right people in the room. And that forces us to really look at and think about statistically and as well as with a, like an eye to the stories, what's going on with our churns. Yeah, I like think of it as like a focused uh, meeting as well. It's like maybe not one of the first times, but it is not something I've heard often on the show. Where it's like a fixated once a month meeting just to talk about churn. But I, I like it for the fact that you've mentioned as well as like each time you've gone forward and you've iterated on your knowledge and expertise and understanding of the problem, you've uncovered new areas that you need to, to learn more about. And it gives you like a specific focused time to do that action because i think so often like not in organizations we know it's a problem we have hunches but we don't like really set to spend the time uh to actually go through this process and really ask the right questions at the right time so it sounds very very interesting like just this iterative approach that you've taken over time just learning more and more about the challenge the problem purely through just having this, uh, this cadence of a meeting where people can ask the questions and dive into the data it's, it's kind of like when you have a metric and you want to watch that metric, it's not always a KPI, right? Like it doesn't always get up to the height. So sometimes it, a metric may just be something you're monitoring and making sure it doesn't get off the rails. But if it does, you want to be aware of it. And it also gives us a really nice deliverable. So it's something that we do give to our board. And it's it gives us a nice deliverable that we're actually able to share with people when they ask us questions about churn so that we can actually give them that level of insight. Yeah. And I think as well, like dashboards don't really do uh, things justice as well like just having a dashboard that the like key execs can go and access and see what's in general attention like i think there is so much nuance within it and things to understand and learnings that can be had that can't be explained from looking at the dashboard alone so i think having this combination as you say like with stories being told uh bringing some insights to the table and then being able to discuss around those a specific time is really cool. I think you also mentioned something as well. We've chatted about a previous on the show with Emmerich Erno uh, from Aurora Pulse, like learnings in terms of like what you can measure versus what you can't, why you shouldn't be tracking if people are going out of business. Because if you're trying to improve churn and retention and 25% of that is happening because people are going out of business, uh, not many companies are in the business of keeping their customers in business. So like, uh, I think that's just like you said, the, I, I agree there are certain types of churn that are unavoidable um, and they're without outside of your control as well. Can you give us a little bit of context, Fleetio, as well, just in terms of 
um, the type of customer you serve, like the size, are we talking SMBs, mid-market enterprise uh, customers? Uh, when you talk about churn insights, like are we talking about hundreds or thousands of customers or single-digit customers when you come to these meetings? That's a great question. So Fleo has a large TAM or total addressable market because we're in the fleet space. And it's probably easiest to explain that any vehicle you see that has a logo, a picture, a phone number on the side of it could be a customer of Mars. They're going to come to us to help maintenance their fleet and keep their, their fleet on the road. And because we're a SaaS product and we're sort of really from our earliest days have done product-like growth, we do have a very long tail of customers. We have thousands of customers that are very quite small that we may not even invest heavily in. Uh, they can come in, they can trial the program and buy without even talking to us. And that also means that we're having an international focus. So we have really a very large number of international customers. And so um, to your point around, you know, can we, you know, what do our numbers look like? And can we really like look and focus on every single customer that churns? At the, at the moment, we are still able to statistically look at them all. But those stories, we really try to highlight the, the ones where, that are really quite important. But yes, we, we don't care if they go out of business and we may not, there may be certain geographies that we don't, we don't have great integrations and in that we may be less important to us. But if they're in our bread and butter, so to your point of like, who do we serve? We do have some tier one um, industries like trucking and freight and um, couriers. And so we have these certain industries that we really take personal if we lose them, you know? So we really watch those closely. You watch them. And does this influence the the metrics meeting that you put together? Like how do you segment what you're going to be sharing with the team and how much effort goes into each segment or industry that you uh, put together these reports? Right. So to your point on dashboarding, it's all in a dashboard. Um, so we, we already have everything instrumented and we're able to go do deeper analysis. But what we do is we look at certain, to your, to your segmenting question, we actually look at and say, okay, let's talk about vehicle counts. How many customers do we have in the 6 to 15? How many do we have in 16 to 25, 26 to 50? And then we look at the analysis and say, um, what's the average number of customers we've had over the last 12 months? How many churned this month? What's the average churn? And so we actually allow those segments to sort of identify themselves. So same thing in sub-industry. So we actually plot them, uh, allow the numbers to say, this is what our sort of averages are. And then here's ones where we average higher than normal, less than normal. And then we go do and dig from there. So it's like the segmenting at first, because there are so many different ways you can classify and categorize. The first thing we do is just analyze the segments and then deep dive into the segment as needed. And then if there's a pattern where we will actually um, whether it's a tier one like industry, so we really just do care about it, or if it's something that's new and, you know, sort of like we need to dig into and figure out why we're losing in this particular area. We, we really dive into that specific segment. Okay. Uh, and then putting these, uh, these decks together, because I think you mentioned as well, it's like 70 slides in an hour. It's a lot of uh, data. Yeah. Uh, how involved is the team uh, in this? And I'm making assumptions now, but if certain teams are serving different clientele, like tier one or tier two, um, are they responsible for putting these reports together for the, this monthly meeting? Or is it something that just maybe like yourself or one or two others are, are putting these things together? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, our enterprise CSMs and our mid-market CSMs are assigned portfolios, right? So they have a group of customers that they they um, engage with and build relationships all the time. But SMB, we don't use the word 
Uh, we don't use CSM. We call them actually analysts or SMB analysts because, again, it's kind of like here might be one verse 40, here might be one verse 200. They're literally like a group of analysts versus all the long tail customers. So they actually live in the data all the time. So that group does, is responsible for putting together um, the data around the larger portfolio. And then when it comes into stories, we actually bring in the enterprise and C- mid-market CSMs to come in and tell the stories around the, you know, why we lost, why we won on the same screen with the features that they did or didn't adopt, and then tell us the story of how engaged were they? Were they really engaged and this one really hurt? Did they ghost us? Did they show up as a flag at risk and we tried to run an at-risk playbook and it never, we never could, you know, get that relationship? Did they meet with the onboarding team and bail out uh, the onboarding team or did they have a successful onboarding and they were even using some of the more disruptive parts of our program? So now we know they went to a competitor. All those sort of story pieces are brought by the CSMs, but the analyst team who lives in the data actually prepares the deck. Interesting. So you have a few different team members and all putting this together all analyzing on a monthly basis. Uh, makes sense as well in terms of the segmentation and uh, how they focus. And definitely, I, I like the the notion of like an SMB analyst as opposed to a CSM in the sense that like most of the time there's not much like interaction with customers and most of the role is around like automations and analyzing data to see how you can improve the experience. So it's an interesting uh, take. Yeah, we do. We do. Our analysts do spend a, um, a lot of time with customers, but it, trying to figure out where the right place is. And we kind of like sometimes use this like a like a grade school principle. Like if you're the principal of a school, you have A students, you have F students. And when we think about churn, we think a lot of times about our D and F students. But we actually want them spending a lot of time with our A students as well. So we need them to be focused both on at risk. If you're looking at the data and there's thousands of customers that you could reach out to your, your priorities around how do you approach the at-risk customers, but also how do you approach those great customers that could expand and move on to actually sort of earning their way into a CSM. <laughs> so they, they spend a lot of time in the data to make sure that they're strategic and they know where they can be best leveraged. Mm, that's interesting. And do you have that same philosophy then in the mid-markets? Because uh, I like that sort of thinking, it, seeing it through that lens in the sense that at SMB, you typically always have a lot higher chance for churn. And if we look at like metrics and analytics, you would see typically like SMB customers tend to churn a lot more. So perhaps spending time with those that are successful to making them more successful and the likelihood of them succeeding is good. But maybe in the mid-markets, you maybe want to be focusing more on the Fs and the Es because they typically tend to be a bit more stickier. Is this how it is? Uh, or uh, yeah, I think in the mid-market, we spend a lot of time where the customer is in their journey, right? So um, if they're in their early stages of the journey, the mid-market team will spend a lot of time with them. But then when you're talking about people that are in other parts of the journey, maybe they're in the renewal portion of the journey. Um, but yes, otherwise, they're looking at data to figure out who have I not built a relationship with recently? Who have I not spoken to recently? And then they are looking at those sort of F students probably more so than uh, the enterprise because in the enterprise, everybody tends to be an A student, right? Like you're, you just have way more time and a white gloved experience there. So yeah. in the mid-market with a larger portfolio, you're right. Like you do actually get into the data and probably spend a little more time on your, um, you know, at-risk customers. At-risk customers, Yeah. Nice. So you've been doing this as well then for quite a while, this meeting, three years. I'm going to ask two questions. Like, What is the most impactful metric that you share during these meetings? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say 
when you're running a fleet, there is a significant number of categories you have to be good at. And Fleetio doesn't help you be good at all those categories. We really specialize in operation, like kind of the operations and really in the maintenance. So we're, we're pretty much like that's our niche is we want to be world-class in maintenance. So we do spend a lot of time digging into, did they investigate our different maintenance features? Did they adopt them? And our term for adoption means that they used it consistently for three months. Did they abandon it, which is they used it for three months and then abandoned it? Uh, investigated means we see acts that they they tried, but they never even got to the point of, of really using it. Or was it just straight unused, meaning that we kind of even failed the product market to them to understand that that value? So I would say the most important thing for us to stay focused on what we're world-class at and where our niche is, is really truly understanding, even though you can come into our product is very large and you can do all these things, is where is the maintenance wheel, is what we call it, and how did they interact with the maintenance wheel? And did we fail to get them to some point of value or did we get them to some point of value and couldn't sustain it because they needed to evolve in a certain way? You know, so it's really for us, I would say, know what you're, the values you're trying to drive for us, it's maintenance in a fleet and really over index on, did you drive that value to the customer? Uh, so really focusing on that envelope. I think this is something as well. We chatted to Heidi Gibson at the time. I think she was at GoDaddy. Really like driving deep into what is the end value that your product delivers? Why do people come to you to the beginning? And then using that as your like key metric, your KPR that you track. In their case, it was like they were working on a website builder and people came to them not to build a website, but if they were a hairdresser, it was to book appointments. So if it was an e-store, it was to sell uh, goods and services. Uh, so the end result was like they ended up focusing on like how can we help drive more sales or get more bookings as the main KPI that they were trying to drive. And then they reverse engineered their the behavior back from there to see, okay, what do the most successful companies do that sell the most products? Okay, they connect their social accounts first day or whatever. That's part of the onboarding now. And they just went backwards from there. But having like that key focus and understanding of like, what is that main value driver that you provide your customers that keeps them sticking around is really, really important. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we definitely, that maintenance role is very important to us because it's whether they're doing proactive maintenance or reactive maintenance. Are they doing their, their PMs and actually like doing the whole changes ahead of time or is it breakdown maintenance? And then if they're not capturing and, and mastering that workflow, they're not capturing all the data that then allows them to do insights and allows our platform to provide guidance to them. So without workflow, we don't get the data into the system to give them the ability to make their own insights or even to provide them guidance through our ability to look at their data and give them insights. Nice. And yeah, so moving on as well, then you talked a little bit about the stories uh, that you have. And you mentioned like mid-market are the ones telling the stories, they're coming in. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit because I think definitely when it comes to specifically data analytics, like stories is really the most powerful and engaging thing you can do and you can present if you can present data in a meaningful way by telling a story you definitely have that impact and that lasting like people pay attention they're going to take notice and they're going to drive impact so how do you structure those like um what goes into them yes it's really interesting because like one of the key takeaways from the book sapiens which of course was all the rage you know and, and, and sort of silicon valley for a while 
is this like idea of like, what is a, a story? And you think prehistory and what did humans do? Well, before we could write things down, we just told stories. And why is the Illithid and Odyssey rhyme? And these are some of the first written down stories. Well, it had to rhyme because we had to remember it, right? People were sort of wrapping their way through history to start. And so humans just naturally hear stories. We want to hear stories. You can look at analytics all day long and maybe if you're good enough, you'll remember like, okay, that was 87.3%. But you actually always do remember the stories because it's just we're wired that way. So what we wanted to do was not over-index on data all the time in that meeting, but actually bring those stories so that um, I think one of the key things you can over-index on when you're building out a customer experience team is like muting the customer. You can say, we're going to exist to hear all this stuff and then we're going to try to like, transpose it and give it. So we don't want to mute the customer. We really want their story to come through and the executives hearing that, the um, product team hearing those stories, we just feel like that's a, a, a much better way to get retained, like for people to retain what they heard and understand. And then they can go dig into the numbers to get 10 examples of that. But the stories are just so much more powerful because it's just like as humans, that's like that's how we communicate. Absolutely. I think that's one of also the motivations uh, behind the company that I'm building at the moment, Avrio. And a big part of our product is actually allowing you to connect like user stories and feedback with data and analytics. And um, one of the things we always like try to show uh, is how you can actually combine data with uh, user feedback and really like tell a much more powerful narrative. And it's something that we learned a lot at Hotjar as well, like combining the what and the why. Like uh, used to talk about this a lot, David used to talk about a lot, is that data will only tell you like what's happening in your product. Your customers are telling you why. And if you, when you combine those two things together, that's like when you really have meaningful understanding of what's happening and how you can go about approaching uh, fixes to, to problems that you might have within the org. Um, yeah, we don't allow anyone to use the word product feedback here. Um, we use the word challenge. And so we think this is a really powerful difference. Um, we want everyone to log. If, if we get feedback from a customer that says, I was out in the desert and I couldn't use your tool, that's not product feedback, right? That's a challenge that they were against, but we can take that and we can go do solutioning and to say we should make more offline functionality. So like a lot of times I think our team is just so quick to say like, I want to tell you we need this extra column on this report or the ability to export this thing. It's like, but don't give us product feedback. Like tell us the challenge the customer was facing. And then you can use tools like product board, et cetera, to take those longer stories and those more challenges and solution into three or four different pieces of insight. Whereas sometimes if we start solutioning too early, we'd actually lose, lose the problem. Mm, I like that. Uh, and so you'll specifically sort of take out any suggestions as well that uh, people might mention, just really focus on what the problem is that they were having at that time. Is that sort of the idea behind it? Yeah, so in our CRM in Salesforce, we actually allow the, the anybody to take a challenge, the support team, the success team, et cetera, and then that logs it against the account. And then, of course, we push that over to product board, and then we wire those two things up. So anytime you pull up an account, you can actually see all their product feedback. You know where they've struggled in the past. And that's also, yeah, yeah there's those yeah. challenges. So it's actually a custom object called, called challenge in Salesforce that we build. And so, yeah, we, we believe pretty deeply in that. Yes, you do want to go look at the cases and see the about field on the case where you can see all the different things that they've called support, what parts of the product they've called to support about. The challenges live uniquely in a different space because they're, again, just kind of like those stories. I like that as well. Very cool. Um, I want to make sure as well, I'll ask a couple of questions, ask every guest that joins the show. Let's imagine a hypothetical scenario that you join a new uh, company, churn retention is not doing great at that company. 
And the CEO comes to you and says like, hey, Trey, we really need to turn things around. We have 90 days. We want to make a dent on uh, churner retention. And you're in charge. Um, the catch is you're not going to tell me I'm going to look at data or I'm going to speak to customers and figure out what the problem is and then run uh, with that playbook. You're just going to take something from a playbook that you've seen be successful either in your current role now or the previous company, and you're going to run with that blindly, hoping that it uh, reduces uh, churn. What would you pick? All right. So I got three months. Three months. Is that right? Yes. Okay. All right. So from kind of breaking this down, probably where I would go is I, I would probably think like start thinking cohorts and segments pretty quickly. Um, so a month is 22 business days. So I'm thinking I got like 15 weeks. Uh, in our world, we're a SaaS company. So we have a lot of people trialing every day and we have new customers signing up every day. So like each week I get a cohort. And um, so then I have to probably think about my customers and I've got sort of onboarding customers, people who have paid me to be there, like renewing customers. So I'm probably going to pick a cohort of customers. I do have some selection bias, I think, you know, in, in, in the world where they've already chosen my product. So I would also be tempted to think about trialing customers, but I only have 90 days. <laughs> So probably not going to start after trialing customers. Um, so each week I get a cohort, I guess, of people who are going to renew or people who are onboarding. And I think when we we're a pretty big, like product led growth shop, and that's what we've spent a lot of time focused on in the past. So I think, you know, this like, concept of perceived value versus like experienced value is really important in that sort of gap when you put those on a Venn diagram. So I think I'm taking each I'm taking a cohort every week of one of those customers, let's say onboarding customers, and I'm I'm trying to figure out where the perceived and the experience value are different, and then I'm going into problem discovery, and I'm trying to figure out where the what problems did I not like? What did they think? What did the marketing say was going to happen? What did the sales team say was going to happen that didn't happen? Why did they not get that value? And then if I've got buy-in from the executive team, I'm trying to generate solution discovery and like trying to figure out some solutions to start to deliver more value each week. And then if each week I get 15 weeks, uh, if, if each week, maybe every two weeks, we can like maybe release something to try to get more value to the cohort, maybe renewing customers or onboarding customers over 15 weeks. If I can ship every two weeks, I get like maybe seven at bats. Like if I can have success, like four of those seven at bats, um, I've delivered Make more value. Sense. Yeah, deliver more value. So I think I think I think I would think about cohorts, and then again into segmenting. I think we talked about segmenting a good bit uh, earlier, but it's just like even in those cohorts, I'm probably going to segment. Um, there's certain customers I'm going to care less about. So really, it's what customers I care the most about. Who who should be my ICP and am I delivering? Like, what's my value gap? That's what I would attack. Nice. Um, you're also not uh, afraid to do public math as well, so I applaud you for that. Um, the the thing as well that, just to sum it up a little bit, I think what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you would want to, in the 90 days, you're going to break that up into individual weeks. You're going to follow those cohorts that sign up during those weeks or it's meant to be renewing during those weeks. Try and understand where that the promise like uh, gap is like what marketing potentially promised and what their perceived value is what they actually received and focus on trying to like bridge that gap essentially trying to make sure like if somebody's just signed up how can we onboard them to get to that perceived value to that value that they uh, perceived from marketing material and you'd want to try and do like a, an experiment every couple of weeks trying to introduce something trying to get them closer to that um, did i get that right yeah 
Yeah, and in, in, in a world where we're, we have a SaaS program and everybody has the same product, we, we only have one version of Clio. Everybody's on the same version. So if I'm trying to keep the back end, the trail, like churn is a trailing indicator. But what I can, if I, if I can deliver value to the new people, I'm delivering value to everybody because there's only one version of the platform. So if I can find a way to get more value um, and I can yeah. figure out a way to measure that, then I am trying uh, that's that's my technique i guess to combating churn as well right nice what's one thing you know today that you wish you knew when you got started with your career about general attention uh that's a good one i think you know when i think about my team like the hardest like we can train a lot of things but like probably one of the hardest skills is like business acumen i think that's what you're asking is like what what business acumen have you like retained or or or, or gained and um I guess even when we think about turn and retention, it's going to probably always come back to focus. Uh, and, and when you have the TAM as large as ours or company, any company really has this problem. Like, where are you going to um, focus? And the specific specifics, like, I guess, turn and retention is like, probably problematic to say it, but like, not all turn is bad. Like, there's some turn that's okay. And I think like earlier, Trey, like earlier in my career, I would be more bull in a China shop. I would say, I want to attack every turn. I'm taking everything so personal Anytime, and even when you're a small company, when we were a small company, every single person who stopped paying us, like we kind of took it personal. Um, but even now, as I as I reflect back, it's like focus is more important, and don't take it so personal. Understand your segments, look at your ICP, and make sure you never lose the passion on the most important customers, um, and don't maybe like take it so personal when everybody churns, but do double down when somebody that you think is right up your fairway that's in your ICP, double down and go even harder to try to figure out why they left. Why they left. Yeah. Uh, like, and I focus, it's one of those difficult things as well for a lot of like earlier stage founders who are trying to figure out, okay, the time is so big. Like, where do we want to spend our time and energy? Like, how do we know are we making the right bets? But I think if you don't make that bet and you don't end up focusing uh, on a specific niche or a specific segment that you think you can uh, serve extremely well, you end up serving everybody like mediocre and uh, nobody wins at the end of the day. So I definitely like 100% echo that focus is key uh, in really trying to tackle and make a dent. And actually like an overall product strategy, just building a much better product for the audience that you're trying to serve. Um, there's there'll be time uh, later down the line to expand into different segments into different focus areas. Yeah, you would never get to the point where you'd consider firing a customer in your early days, right? Every customer value, every dollar is valuable in your early days. But as you get larger and you can gain focus, you'll actually get to the point where it makes sense to start, um, you know, firing customers because they distract you from your core mission. Absolutely. And, and this is something I've heard a few times on the show as well as like the concept of firing customers, but it makes so much sense as well when if you're onboarding like bad fit customers, all that ends up happening is they end up using more of the company's resources than necessary. Your support gets clogged up, your customer success does, uh, sales spends more time trying to close these deals. So you end up wasting a whole lot more time of the company's efforts when they could be better spent like serving the customer who is the ideal fit for the product or service and but like you said in the early days like you get whatever you take like you need the the twigs that are going to put the fuel in the fire to get the fire going but then when when it's going you can you sort of slowly start to have that luxury to take a step back now and say okay where should we be focusing uh who do we need to get rid of 
Absolutely. Focus is important even when you're trying to find product market fit. And then it's even more important after you found it. Yeah. yeah. So I guess if I had to go back and talk to earlier career Trey, I would say uh, focus on the most important segments. Nice. Cool. So I see we've run up on time, Trey. Is there any final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with, like anything they should be aware of or keep up to speed with the work that you do? Yeah, you can definitely um, find me on, on LinkedIn. I'm just Trey Hoffman, um, LinkedIn slash Trey Hoffman, T-R-E-Y-H-O-F-F-M-A-N, uh, or thoffman at fleetio.com. So feel free to reach out. I'd love to talk to anybody. <clears throat> the, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I guess the, uh, the one thing I would say, Andrew, that um, I keep coming back to as my career is getting a little bit longer in the tooth is that um, we all build technology and we're, we're really proud of the technology, but after having been here a couple of decades, I, we've built the same technology over and over and over again. Like you always are constantly refining and iterate and the things that you're really proud of 10 years ago are so obsolete at this point. So I guess when I, when I think back, what I would tell people is don't uh, undersell the actual people you build that in your career, the people that help you learn and help build you and the people that you help um, in their career, those are the things that you'll remember 10 years, 20 years later. Um, so although we all do in the moment spend so much time concerned with the technology that we're building, uh, don't lose sight of the fact that as you're building your companies, that you're building the people and those relationships will last way longer than the, the bits that you ship. I love that note. And well, Trey, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure hosting you today and I wish you best of luck now going forward. Thanks, Andrew, man. I enjoy the podcast and I'll, I'll be listening in and can't wait to hear your next one. Awesome. Thanks, Trey. Have a great day. You as well. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.